Welcome everyone to another episode of the Carlis Podcast, a platform to share the work and thoughts of both aspiring and established writers, poets and artists who are passionate about preserving and furthering Sikh and Punjabi heritage. Today I am joined by Bajnik Gaur, who is a writer, mother and doctor specialising in end-of-life care. Her personal areas of interest include Sikh philosophy and spirituality, the psychology of Sikh parenting and the pursuit of authentic Sikh arts and wisdom. Her work-related activities include healthcare leadership, people management and research within the field of palliative medicine. Today, we will be discussing her brand new children's book series that was published by Carlis House, Tales of a Girl. So, Bajanik, it's a pleasure to have you on the Carlis podcast. Welcome uh, and thank you for joining me. Waheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Waheguru Ji Ki Fateh. Waheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Waheguru Ji Ki Fateh. Thank you for having me. That's okay. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to um, today's conversation. And I wanted to start by uh, simply asking you a little bit about your background and kind of your journey into becoming a children's author. Um, so I would say that the main catalyst, first of all, um, to becoming or starting to write is, well, for me, it was the... <laughs> the kind of feeling of, of impending motherhood. So when I was pregnant with my first son, um, I had this sense, uh, which may be echoed by other mothers or parents, of almost impending doom. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> your, like your life is going to be over, you know, when this, this baby comes and changes your whole world. But equally... Um, it's just going to be unrecognizable, not necessarily over, but your focus is going to be very different. And I think there was a genuine sense of um, wanting to make the most of the, the time that I had where I wasn't going to be sleepless and I wasn't going to be, you know, overwhelmed with the task ahead. Right. And so when I was when I was pregnant, I started uh, scribbling and, and writing lots of ideas down um, for books and things that I wanted to kind of put out there for my own children um, and also to others, other Sikh children. Um, and the reason that that I think some of those thoughts came into mind was because I felt like the literature out there for for both young children and even all the way up to teenage um, children and young adults um, was was kind of lacking in, I guess, the deeper aspects of Sikh spirituality. Um, I think all too often we can focus on the appearance of a Sikh child and, you know, there's lots of books on how Sikh children should handle bullying and things like that. But there there wasn't really a huge amount of um kind of fun engaging literature which had more subtle seek themes that actually help a person um develop and think about how they're going to manage you know problems in life or even just how to enjoy sikhi right and so i think 
I think I felt a need to try and get that on paper and part of, of that also stemmed from the fact that I personally, whilst I was born into a sick family and um, had what I thought was a fairly broad understanding of what Sikhi is and what it means to to kind of live in this world as a as a functioning, you know, sick engaging in the material world and all of that what i didn't actually um appreciate i think until quite later on in life in my late 20s was um that sakhi is a lot more um it's a lot deeper in terms of approach to oneness um approach to kind of broadening your perspective of who a Sikh is, um, perhaps not always conforming to the the boxes that we we place a key in in terms of different Sikh practices, right. whether that's in relation to spirituality, philosophy, music, um, whatever it is. Um, and so I felt a bit of sadness that really that only came to me in my late 20s because obviously it's in your childhood and your young adulthood that you actually have time to explore that a lot right. more um time get time gets a lot um a lot more pressed i think as you become an adult you get married and, and you know if you start having children especially um and so as part of all of those feelings i'd i'd participated in a couple of different writing competitions and I'd, I'd won or become runner-up in them, one of which was um, the Carlos House um, competition that runs annually. Yeah. Um, and I think what that kind of reminded me was that I had an affinity for writing. And, um, you know, I'd previously been involved in ghostwriting or, you know, helping just people informally with essays or things like okay. that. So, it, 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 yeah, it wasn't really that much then of a leap to kind of put all of that together and um, start thinking about children's books. Okay, so it was, it was a very kind of personal kind of, there was a, you know, a pull within you as, as a mother, I guess, um, to try and go beyond some of the, maybe, maybe I guess some of the books that have existed previously, especially perhaps while, you know, when we were growing up was, you know, depicting Sikhi just from um, kind of an aesthetic standpoint that you know this person perhaps looks like a sick um but like you said maybe not delving into some of the deeper um you know philosophical or, or spiritual teachings that you know sikhi is that sikhi brings um and i guess you know i want to come on i want to ask you about the the inspiration specifically about uh, 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 behind tales of a girl but just sticking with what you've said there um how how difficult Whilst you were writing this book, how difficult was it to express, you know, some of these, you know, quite profound um, kind of um, teachings that we take from Sikhi um, and make them accessible, you know, for children aged between two and five? How hard was that process? Um, I think, <clears throat> I mean, my personal opinion is that I'm not really an author as such. I don't have any kind of special skill in doing this work it's it's not what I do in my day job or anything but um and I think I think if Sikhi is something that you can begin to integrate into your thinking it naturally then will come out in your writing 
But to get to that point, you do need a certain familiarity, obviously, with the Guru's message. And when I was a child, um, Sahaj Bhatt was regarded as a great tool to build that familiarity. Right. Um, and, and so whilst um, I kind of struggled with names and dates and things like that, I, I'm a lot more engaged with with Gurbani and, and the kind of and the music around Gurbani, you know, Keaton and things like that. Right. So that's really helped that's really helped underpin kind of where the ideas and the books come from. Um I think the other thing that struck me is that um children need to have in order for them to get the best experience out of reading, they need to have um fun when they're reading right and they sense they sense very quickly when they're being taught um and and when an adult is trying to impose views or um you know trying to get them to do something that they don't really want to do and immediately it becomes less fun immediately they become less engaged and they start kind of messing about and you know complaining and all the rest of it so one of the powerful things about the kind of franchises that we see in the western world um you know marketed at children is that they're they're engaging characters um with kids or characters just doing normal things that kids can relate to um and so and so i needed to link kind of the seek inspired thoughts with that kind of approach um, and right. that was what I, what I felt was going to be the best way to go about it and ultimately i think when you boil it down to what a children's book is it's actually just a poem um which is divided then onto pages and paired with good illustrations and i think to a certain degree sometimes in in the month today we kind of overcomplicate things a little bit when we're talking about publishing books um to try and you know spend huge amounts of money and and investment into different books for kids but actually what you need on paper is a poem and you need some pictures and if you've got that down then it it's in short pretty easy thereafter um but yeah I mean that that's my personal approach and I think poetry comes kind of rhyming comes fairly easily to me so I'm lucky that way um and I have to say like (laughs) You know, in all honesty, I, I don't spend a huge amount of time redrafting um, the content too much. Um, I might show it to one or two people I'm close to and, and see whether there's any glaring issues with it. But yeah, I try and keep it very simple. So you mentioned that like kind of some of the um, approaches taken, you know, within the Western world in, in terms of storytelling. Um, you know, we, we live in a, a, you know, in an age now where, um, animation, CGI, you know, AI, it's all kind of the, these technologies have, have, have taken us, you know, to a new level in many ways. Um, but as somebody who, you know, as somebody who's who's writing books for children with, with illustration, how, how important is is the art of narrating a story um, via the written word? What, what are the benefits, I guess, is what I'm asking of, you know, a child sitting with a book and looking at pictures or perhaps sitting with their parent or grandparent, um, you know, compared to perhaps, you know, sticking a tablet in front of them, which which obviously, you know, there are still educational means, um, you know, accessible via tablets and TV screens. But what, what do you think is, is, is the difference between 
physically having a book in your hands and a child sitting there reading? Um, I think the main difference is the need for the child to connect with the people around them. So when you look at the fundamentals of parenting and, you know, attachment theory and um, concepts like that, one of the founding principles of that is that children need to feel like they're connecting with their parents or guardians and they need to feel validated, seen in order to develop um good confidence levels and, and self-esteem right. um, which then carries them carries them through childhood but also into adulthood because if they don't have that as children you know their brain physically changes and and the way that they process their thinking even in adulthood changes and you know then you get people pleasers and people who don't want to stand up and and, and speak out because they're worried about what people will think because they haven't had the validation and all the rest of it. So, it you know, little things like reading a book with a child and engaging with them and having fun with it is quite powerful. Um, and I think the other aspect to all of this is that fundamentally the Sikh tradition has always relied upon reading poetry and the arts. Right. Um, as kind of concepts to engage with spirituality. So whilst those are still not widely seen as fundamental, perhaps, to the to the faith, I think this is slowly changing as time goes on, especially in, in the West, and people kind of are re-engaging, perhaps, with kind of authentic ways of doing things. Um, and, you know, there's examples through time from, you know, people like Kavi Santokhsing to the writings of Brahmgyanis to highlight the importance of that narrative storytelling, that oral tradition. Right. Um, and, you know, there's lots of cultures in the world where different art forms are used to tell stories from history, for example. So, um, you know, whether it's dance or whether it's plays, um, particularly in Eastern traditions. But for Sikhs, the medium has always been through words. Um, whether that's delivered in kata form or written form or gurbani form, kirtan form. So I think we need to recognise that, you know, for children, um, if we're going to follow the path of our ancestors, then we need to expose kids to these these um, mediums from an early age. And I'm not saying, you know, that animation doesn't have a role to play because I think, it, it does. And yeah. if there are any animators listening to this and want to work <laughs> with me, I'll be the first one to put my hand up and collaborate. But I think, you know, we need to move with the times and recognise that kids and adults respond to animations and respond to films. Um, but actually, it has to sit alongside that use of art and literature. Yeah. And we need to remember that roots are important, I think, in developing and maintaining our sense of identity. Um, yeah, so I think I think those are. I hope that kind of answers that question. Yeah, it does. For, I mean, for me, that that highlights kind of the importance of of viewing them both as 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 equally important. You know, it's not to say that one is to replace you know another medium of storytelling, but it's to recognise that you know there are benefits to to both. Um, so sticking with that then, and and just looking specifically at this book series, and so Tales of a Girl is um, a four part children's bilingual uh, book series um what was kind of the thinking behind that what what was your if i was to ask you what what's your aim with it um what, what would you say to that um 
really the aim was to have a little bit of fun with it and also integrate the natural world right so for, for me personally like i'll quite happily choose like a nature documentary over an action film um and i, fa- I find that really engaging and i think um it's a good way also of of connecting with the spiritual aspects of the world right um there's lots of lessons also to be learned from the natural world and just watching kind of the creation of a call um you know the that creation of god unfolding mm-hmm. um so and i think when for children's books it, it does also provide a bit of an advantage because the natural world lends itself quite well to vivid colors and imagery right. which is what kids often need in books um and so each book has um a slightly different theme but they're all focused on on different aspects of nature and there's also a subtle message behind them all um with the intention that the message was subtle and not really in your face um because as i said i think kids can sense when <laughs> when yeah. they're being yeah. taught especially as as they get older um but yeah the, the themes that run through the books are things like um the protective nature of glusaib and and um the concept of ego um the concepts of um the fact that Glusab creates everything we see, whether we like it or not. Um, so kind of those things which we realise, I think, as time goes on. But, um, you know, are important messages for, for children who are growing up in the bump. Yeah, I think, I think another kind of theme that is it kind of runs throughout the series is the idea of hukum, which is, you know, I think a difficult um you know, to to for 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 adults to describe, but I think the way in which you've you've done that through um, the use of illustration and those words to supplement it, you know, is is enough. It's it's subtle enough. Um, you know, asking for example how um, about the, the the feathers of the of the bird and so on and the ducks. You know, hopefully that will kind of plant those seeds, I guess, in in the in you know in these in the minds of these young children to understand how it is how all this is connected to. Um, the creator and creation um, you've also you also chose to um, write the book in both English and Punjabi what was the thinking behind that um, so I, I initially had no intention of making the series bilingual because my Punjabi I didn't feel was was good enough but there was someone called Ranveer Singh runs a publishing <laughs> house um, <clears throat> that suggested that we consider that more um, which you know, in retrospect, was a very good idea. So thank you. But I think, I mean, the thinking behind that was that there's an intersection of generations, you know, yeah. when you're talking about a child reading a book. Um, and, you know, ideally you want to create a product that is usable by by everybody. Um, and... And the thing that I remember, you know, sometimes about learning Punjabi and being exposed to Punjabi was that it was in lesson format. Right, and sometimes right. that, again, it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't fun. Perhaps I was just like, there's probably a theme here suggesting that I was just a very rebellious child um, that didn't want to learn anything. But I think it, exposing children to Punjabi in a fun format and an in, engaging way is 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 powerful. Um, but there's also a separate aspect about normalising and celebrating Punjabi literature, which I think is something that we've lost. 
um, especially in the Western world. Yeah. Um, and and I think we should also be honest about the fact that kind of preparing the Punjabi element of the books was a real challenge. Sure. Um, there are already some good children's books out there, um, you know, which are bilingual or purely Punjabi, but there's definitely a real opportunity currently for those with the necessary Punjabi skills to kind of come and fill that space in 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 the publishing environment. So I think if anyone's listening and feels that they have those skills, then again, like don't hesitate to use them because they are badly needed. Yeah, I think what what the what the Punjabi does really well is it gives kind of like almost like a the different kind of world view. So as the child is even even as some you know as, you know when I was reading the books when you read them in English you get a different feeling and when you read them in Punjabi provided obviously you're understanding what it is you're reading even though you're reading the same story I felt that there was a difference in um in what you was reading and I think that's testament just to the way Punjabi is and so to have that in there in all four books um one it promotes the Punjabi language and um, but also it gives children that exposure from an early age um you know because of what the books are about, they're about nature, they're about, uh, you know, hookum and all of these things that we've spoken about, it, it builds that connection. And hopefully that's something that they can, you know, can continue with. Um, I, for one, think that, you know, we need to have more books written uh, about the Sikhs, by the Sikhs, about Punjab, um, you know, in both Punjabi and English. I think sometimes there's too much of a focus perhaps on writing something that is palatable for maybe a Western audience, maybe even a non, non-Sikh non audience, because we need to tell people, you know, about um, who we are, what we're about. But I think it's important for ourselves, for our families, for our children to, um, one, preserve the Punjabi language, but also to, you know, to make them feel empowered about it as well, because I think there are certain emotions that you, you can't get to, I don't think, you know, a certain feeling that um, is perhaps only experienced when you read it in Punjabi, um, so I was really happy that you know you did decide to to, to publish it in both English and um, and Punjabi. Um, earlier, I mentioned that you um, your kind of your personal areas of interest also include the psychology of sick parenting. Um, so as a parent now, what kind of what what tips would you have for for fellow parents who are perhaps struggling um, to get their children to read? Not just you know I'm not talking about you know, books in Punjabi, but generally reading. Um, what what would you what would you kind of say to them? Um, I would say to them to to give as much control as possible to your child in the reading process. So whether your child is you know a baby or a toddler age or older, um, I think children need to to feel empowered as you as you've mentioned um, when it comes to reading and feel like you know, they are able to make decisions about reading for themselves. And um, because again, that carries through um, into adulthood. Um, right. And I think the other kind of things that help are integrating fun and happiness into the process. So if that's trips to the library, um, right. you know, making sure that they can ch- choose books that they like the look of and bring them home, even if actually the book that they've chosen, you know, isn't that great or doesn't make any sense for their for their age. 
Um, but actually the actions of allowing them to stamp the books and, and kind of giving them a choice of what they want to read, um, each of those steps is empowering them to get to a point where they'll naturally pick up a book later on in life without needing a prompt and, and without needing to be nagged about it. Um, right. I think the whole thing needs to be enjoyable, to be sustainable. And part of that is because, you know, we hear in Gurbani Gurusaib saying that you need to use your own ego to, to propel yourself forward in spirituality. And there's that paradox, isn't there, um, about yeah. what that really means. But, you know, ultimately, the vehicles that we've been given to to live in to live our lives is it's our mind so you need to engage the mind and you need to use the the kind of positive aspects of the mind to try and to try and create sustainable habits um a trap you know that i personally experienced was being limited in terms of what to read um and yeah. when to read um and and that really had a a, a negative impact on me um and I, you know, I'm quite keen with my with my own, you know, kids not to repeat that. Um, right. And again, you know, trying not to teach them overtly all the time when you're reading. Like some sometimes you do need to teach them things in books, um, which is fine. But I think just, you know, being aware of when it's fun and when it's not, um, you have to be quite connected, I suppose, with the child to to kind of pick up on those cues. Um, but yeah, just trying to keep it light um, and, and trying to keep those those kids engaged in whatever way they they choose um, is probably my approach. Yeah, so that's really good advice. I mean, for, for parents listening and, and, you know, if so, are we saying that, you know, it's not really always about the content? It's, it's giving the child the, the freedom of choice to, to pick a book that perhaps, you know, that you said that they might enjoy. Um, because we're talking here about just them, just the art of reading, just to getting them to read and sit down, you know, away from, like I said, you know, the tablets and other other kind of distractions um, or gaming or, or whatever it might be. Um, so is it less about what they're reading, but the fact that they are reading and doing so, you know, themselves and, and not being asked by the parents? Um, and if that is the case, then is there kind of how much kind of monitoring would the parent, you know, do, do in that situation? So how does a parent, let's say I've got a, you know, a 10 year old, what, what kind of advice would you give to me as a parent on, on um, you know, reading? Um, is it just letting them choose their books or how much, how much, how much sway can you have in yeah, that as a parent? I think um, there comes a point uh, as kids age, you know, age sort of early teens or preteens where a parent needs to engage in a process of explaining their thinking if they're going to limit what a child is reading for age appropriate reasons right, right. Um, so I think what what probably happened in generations above us is you know the parents say goals and and, and was imposed upon the child um, and whilst many people of that generation will say that that you know that didn't cause any issues um. I think we live in a slightly different world now mm -hmm. and in order for children to trust us and trust our judgment they, they need a bit of an explanation as to why you're doing that um now i guess also kind of slightly controversially there's a lot of there's two things i suppose that came to mind when you're speaking one is that there's this thinking that you know all children are intrinsically geniuses and 
it's adults that that end up stamping that out of them as we force them to engage with kind of a formalized educational process um and so i think there's something in that that children have different interests and actually if you go with what they're very good at or they go with what they're naturally drawn to you know the results can be quite incredible so that's that's i think a, a good starting point but the other thing is that actually if if as a parent you are hesitant in exposing your child to to literary content um for whatever reason whether you feel it's too controversial whether you feel it's um kind of not appropriate to their age i think you just need to be quite clear in your own mind as to why you're doing that and what feelings you've got there and whether actually a better tack might be to read right. that book together um and 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 perhaps talk openly about right. the bits that that are not in keeping with kind of the path that you want to take your family on or that you know seem contrary to to the principles of Sikhi because I think ultimately um we need to give kids credit for being able to understand some of the, some of this kind of complexity early on um I think we we don't we don't give credit to kids enough um right, and, and right. we know that they pick up on when things are wrong and and actually we we also know from the evidence that if you actually speak to them and connect with them about about things that are controversial or complicated then you get a much better outcome um but but obviously that whole process relies upon the parent being fairly introspective and honest um and i think right. you know it's interesting you know these days in libraries there are books in the toddler section about things like grooming um so my kid picked up a book the other week right. um which is about some chicken um like using a computer and i thought it was like a really innocent book when he picked it up because i hadn't flicked through the whole thing and then when we brought it home and i actually read it what it was about was like internet grooming and i mean he's only like he's only like two or three um and i thought it was wow this is in the toddler section you know and yeah, yeah. It, it was just like it was an interesting experience kind of just it dawning on me that 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 kind of content is now um so um widely accessible and thinking about the complexities of having to explain that to maybe a, a child that, that's a bit older and things yeah but actually i think a lot of thinking these days is that if you can explain that and explore that in a safe um a safe way in your own family it it makes families stronger and it makes children le- yeah. less likely to hide things so so yeah i mean i i i completely agree with the fact that that you know you don't want your your children exposed to everything under the sun at a very very young age but i do think that Mm-hmm. there's a certain degree of of kind of going on that journey with them and it, it that it makes them feel that they can talk to you openly about things that they might be worried about talking to you um you know about otherwise you want ultimately you want your kid to come to you when they have a problem without feeling like there's going to be judgment there like for me that's 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 my goal kind of as a as a material parent anyway 
is that if, if my kid is in trouble, no matter what age they are, that they can actually feel like they want to talk to me about it rather than just feeling like they should or feeling worried about what I'm going to say. Um, so, yeah, I think I think, yeah, there's lots of ways of, of kind of of doing that. But but yeah, reading reading without boundaries or kind of trying to manage those boundaries is an interesting way of, of kind of building those foundations. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point about the um, about the open communication, because I think having that safe space, you know, in your home and, and having that relationship with your child is, is hugely important, especially at, at a time where they are exposed to so much information, not just in books, but other mediums and also at school. So, you know, one thing that's kind of surprised me is, you know, my, my older two have gone into um, basically years uh, five and six. Um, and, and you know, what they're being exposed to at school is, you know, maybe for some parents, they, they may feel a bit uneasy about some of the subjects that they're being taught. Uh, especially about you know for example sex education or lgbtq um, rights and i think you know what you've said there about having age appropriate conversations and i guess only you as a parent you know you know your child um, more than anyone right so you that's that's maybe a judgment call for you as a parent to make but the key i think i have to agree with you on is having that open relationship that they can feel comfortable and safe that you know if something is bothering them or they want to speak to you about something they've learned or something they've read they can do that um, and it might be a little uneasy for you as well as a parent, but I think that has to be um, the way to go because otherwise, if if they can't come to you, you know, nine times out of ten they're going to go to an, another person, either a teacher or you know a, a friend or somebody elsewhere. So I think you know having and so, and what that does then is that it's not it's less about control, I guess. Going back to my question, it's more so about having that you know open relationship where, like I said, they can feel safe and, and comfortable in, in having any conversation um, and, and I guess there's empowerment within that um, you know so you, it might sound a bit cliche but you know you become you become their best friends um, and I think that's a life lesson you know that, that hopefully stays with with them um, because as parents especially you know as parents of six um, six who you know um, are visibly sick it's it's I think it's a constant um, I don't know fear or, or anxiety that you know that because we know what we went through growing up in this country. So, you know, chances are that, that they're going to be facing similar situations. So I think, you know, that's, that's a, that was a really good point you made there about having that open, open relationship um, with them. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, going back to um, Tales of Akal. Um, so as I said at the top of the, the episode, this is obviously um, a book series aimed at younger children. So children aged between two and five. Uh, and you spoke a little bit about you know the inspiration behind it um what are your what are your kind of aspirations what are your hopes for um tales of a god um well i think my main hopes are simply for families to read um and share and enjoy them um and i think you know if if a proportion of Sikh families out there do that then then i would regard that as a win um if children can absorb a couple of things about Sikhi along the way, then that's an added bonus. And I'd say a further added bonus is if adults can as well. Because if my own experience is anything to go by, I think um, 
I think perhaps some of the the themes and we've got like thinking questions, you know, at the end to kind of prompt a bit of discussion. So I think I think actually that might help adults as well as children, um, which is an unintentional happy byproduct um, of, of that feature of the books. Um, but yeah, these these books have been in development for a very long time. I think I, I wrote them probably about four or five years ago, um, and it, it's great that they're out in the in the Pontic sphere now, um, and you know, will hopefully be able to touch different different um, corners of the world. So, yeah, if if you're listening, then you know, please please buy them <laughs> yeah what um in, in you know you mentioned that these um, books were written you know three or four years ago what what challenges did you face um and you know what what challenges do you think other other you know writers of children's books especially in the sick month today you know and, and maybe specific to us living in the diaspora what, what sort of challenges um do you think we collectively um have as, as writers um so there's a couple of aspects to that i think firstly personal challenges for me were balancing time to write um and then especially you know as my pregnancy progressed and um and things obviously then the baby comes and and quite rightly does end your life as you know it um and and i i don't think that's <laughs> kind of dramatic you know it really does change everything um your whole perspective the way that you think um the way that you function whether you function at all <laughs> you know all of that so so balancing yeah. balancing time to write and and um progress your work whilst juggling that intensity of parenthood especially new parenthood um and then and then balancing a lot that alongside going back to work um especially when you have a high intensity um emotionally quite loaded job uh, all of that really you have to sit down and think at some point what do you want to achieve with your life and then try and let go of some of the things that that you know aren't your priorities when you when it kind of it all boils down to to it so um yeah that was definitely a process that i had to work through i think particularly with regards to books and children's books um finding illustrators who have the necessary talent um and who are actually committed to to getting through to the end of a project who stick to timelines and have the motivation to see it see it through um i think what i found is obviously the writer tends to have skin in the game right. um and tends to be intrinsically motivated to see the project through but but you know illustrators are in quite high demand and and often have other commissions and and things going on for them and so um you really you know that was a that was a challenge for me um and i you know i did i did go through several kind of rounds of disappointment and 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 still do you know as i'm writing now um so you have to you have to persevere through all of that um i think ideally you know what would be a really good idea is if there was some kind of portal or website linking authors to illustrators um based on availability demand um, you know, style of illustration, etc. I think that would be quite powerful, and and it wouldn't be 
too difficult to set up because that's really what you need. Right. Um, otherwise, otherwise you're kind of direct messaging different people from all over the world in the hope yeah. that you're going to find somebody whose who's kind of timeline and priorities match yours. Um, I think there's also a little bit in terms of challenges, of, you know, within our month, um, there's a, there's a, a balance, isn't there, between portraying the sick message whilst not just focusing on the sick message. Right. So, it, it, as I've said before, it can be tempting just to write a book about, you know, having long hair or, or you know, the names of the gurus and things like that. But, yeah. but actually what helps you through life when you're when you're engaging with Gurbani, what helps you through life is is a lot deeper than than those things um and and i think you know kids don't need a huge amount to gain quite a lot right. so um there's obviously you know we're lucky now we've got quite a few different publishing houses yeah um and and I think that's a, that's a really good thing, and I, I suspect strongly that that that's only going to grow. Um, and I think the kind of parallel movements that are happening in the West with people kind of reclaiming their heritage a little bit, whether that's in terms of music or literature or or you know you know learning about authentic Sikh history. Right. Um, I think I think we're in an exciting place there, um, and so some of the the challenges are you know it's not a challenge of inspiration because there's plenty of inspiration i think there it's 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 more the practical aspects of how do you actually go through this process yeah. without giving up what what are your kind of general thoughts on on um, representation how important do you think it is you know for a child um or teenager to to see characters in terms of illustration that look like them um so i know i know this is a a popular kind of sentiment these days yeah especially in the world that we live in you know focused on equality and diversity and trying to make sure every, every kid has good role models and things um and i do agree that representation is valuable um and it can have a huge impact on confidence and self-esteem yeah um as well as just being simply joyful to look at it's that phenomenon isn't it when when you're kind of watching TV or watching a football match and then you see a sing in the audience yeah. or something <laughs> yeah. and, and and you kind of immediately feel that connection and, and pride. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely that, isn't there? However, I, I personally, I, I don't think it's essential um, right. because I think, I think you can have books aimed at children which integrate Sikh spirituality without necessarily having a Sikh character in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's interesting, isn't it? Because the 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 linchpin of what we were given by Gurusab was Gurbani. You know, it 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 wasn't stories within Guru Granth Sahib Ji. There are plenty of other resources that we have been given. You know that that contribute to that. But but you know there was a very clear choice not to include um, kind of stories from the Guru's lives. Right. Um, for for, uh, and yeah, and Gurbani was was intended to sustain us for the rest of civilization, wasn't it? Like right. that's what we were what that's what we were given, and, and Gurbani is a is a reflection of the mind and you know spiritual poetry and stuff that speaks to your soul. So, 
you know, yeah, characters, representation, all of that is is important and it has a role to play, but I don't think it's essential. I think kids can learn a lot from books that are not even necessarily written by 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 Sikhs. Yeah. Um, I think we, we need to maybe get better at, at broadening our horizons when it comes to, to reading and, and learning from different cultures and things, but then using the lens of Gurbani, you know, to, to interpret that. Um, and yeah, so I think, I, I mean, even, even, even these books, the Tales of Akal, like in some ways, yeah, they're very strongly focused at, focused on, on Sikhi, but there's no, there's no like real representation of a Sikh no. kid in these, in this particular set of books. No. Um, and, and hopefully they'll still have a, have an impact. Um, and, and the other thing is that we've got loads of role models, you know, from history and, and I think if you're gonna if you're gonna create characters or you're gonna expose kids to characters, then you know expose expose them to to those individuals sure. because nothing else really measures up to that. Um, and I think one of my interests going forward is how we do that, you know, in, in a more accessible way for a young teen audience, particularly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think um, I think that's that that's a fair point, and I think. I mean, the, the only kind of caveat I would add to that is, I guess it depends on the narrative. So, you know, if the books are, are you know, of a particular narrative and if they have, you know, sometimes you can tell, and maybe it's less so relevant to young children's books, but maybe, you know, young adult uh, or, you know, books aimed at maybe eight to ten year olds. Um, sometimes the narrative is such that it, it, it kind of distorts, um, you know, either Sikh history or... Um, even tries to co-opt, you know, um, Sikh principles. Uh, so I think from, I guess my question was more coming from that perspective, how important is it when we're talking, when we're telling stories, um, you know, specifically, I guess, about Sikhi that we, and we're using illustration, that we do, you know, centre kind of characters that do look um, like Punjabis or Sikhs. And obviously Sikhi is, you know, there's, there's no kind of limit on who can be a Sikh. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I think, if the narrative is is you know um, not you know controversial, then it's then it's fine. But I think when it becomes when it, when there's a clearer clearer agenda, I guess interwoven when you read between the lines, that's when it when it can maybe potentially become a, a bit a bit of a problem. But I agree with the the idea of you know trying to express the I guess the the teachings that we take from Sikhi, um, and that can be done you know as you've kind of proven with this series you know by using the natural world and using animals and and so on so um it's quite open in that in that yeah sense. i can i can hear like what you're kind of coming down to is how do we build a sense of identity um isn't yeah, it? um yeah. you know does 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 representation in literature does that have a role to play and in... especially for our children yeah. living you know in in the diaspora because they have so many challenges on a daily basis right from, you know, from school from the school and the friend circle, etc. What they see on TV, um, YouTube. So I think, I guess, yeah, the, the, the crux of it is identity, um, and that sense of mm. kind of belonging. You know. Yeah, and I think you know conversations in a household have equally as an important part to play, um, in 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 building that. Right. Um, because I think they have done up until this point. Because you know, even my generation of of kids growing up, we didn't have that much in the way of of children's especially young children's literature 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, we still have individu- individuals in the Bunth, um, you know, in the in the West or, or, you know, outside of Punjab who have a very strong sense of identity. So so where did that come from? So so, yeah, there's a there's definitely a role to play. But I think also the environment you're growing up at, you, you know, you're growing up in is probably pre- like predominantly the influence. OK, so moving on to um, kind of your advice then as a as a published um author of children's books what what advice would you give to other other aspiring um you know authors and writers um any kind of lessons that you've learned i know, I know you kind of alluded to them previously uh, with some of the challenges that you face but what lessons would you give to somebody who's perhaps thinking of writing their first book mm. i think um so the first lesson is um not to listen to people who say that you can't or shouldn't do it Right. Um, because, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I think I was in like early secondary school. Um, there was a poetry competition in school, and I, I wrote this poem. It was like about I don't know a mermaid or something at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And, um, the English teacher basically said that I'd I'd copied this poem from somewhere. Right. Um, and, and accused me of, of plagiarism because she couldn't believe that I'd written this poem. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you put that into context along with like lots of other very subtle but definitely present forms of discrimination, you know, against the, the brown kid in the class and that kind of right. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it was an interesting experience to go through. Um, and I think even even in our own families and and communities um there's a lot of hang-ups isn't there about engaging with how do you balance the educational kind of focus that that parents want their kids to have in order to succeed in in the material world how do you balance that against the pursuit of of the arts um and 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 pursuit of you know Sikh philosophy and spirituality so that yeah. that's often i think a, a challenge for families to negotiate um and and there's less of a recognition that perhaps the two aspects of or the two sides of that coin are are, are part of the same coin you know the the part of life mm-hmm. um and actually you need you need both sides of that coin in order to have a fulfilling life um, and that is the reason why our gurus were not just educational scholars. You know, they were scholars um, in in many different aspects of of um, the world. So I think, yeah, if if you come across people who say that that it's a waste of time, it, it's not worth engaging, you know, then then you just need to kind of recognize that that those issues and and the the feeling behind those thoughts that's their baggage and it's not it's yeah. not yours um and i kind of you know just put it to one side um i think the other kind of more practical aspects of it are um finding a schedule and, and a a time um a time scale that kind of suits you because obviously um i know we've we've kind of spoken briefly about this before um in you know outside of this podcast but i think when you are a busy working parent um yeah. you really you really have a squeeze on your time and it can be very easy 
to to kind of let your writing go or your pursuit of any art form go because you have other competing priorities so um one of the reasons why why i'm not you know i'm choosing not to focus on writing a novel you know despite urges from people like you um one of the reasons i'm choosing not to do that is because i know that that i can't commit to that the process that would work for me currently with the life that i have right. and actually what's working better for me is is doing you know half an hour to 45 minutes uh, on an evening or in the middle of the day when somebody's having a nap etc yeah, yeah. you know like like actually i can get a burst of work done without having to engage in a whole kind of three hour getting into the zone type right. process which right. which is just not workable for me at the minute so so yeah i think you know finding finding a process that suits you and matching your output to that but also finding publishers whose goals actually align with yours um right. so yeah that's a that's a also an interesting one because ultimately you need somebody um whose whose goals match yours but also who can guide you through the process and 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 work with you to produce what you want um and there's no doubt that like you need to be prepared to invest time and and often money into your own projects to see them right. through um and you need to be prepared to do that and you know ultimately like for me that's that's worthwhile investment of time and money um it might not be for for other people but it, it is for me um and i think if you're a children's if you're thinking about children's books then i'd also say to um get better art because it's much easier <laughs> relying on you yeah it's much easier i think relying on your own illustrative abilities than yeah. than uh, yeah 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 but um yeah I, like I, that's a an ongoing um a work in progress yeah I think um, no, I think that's, that's a really good a couple of really good uh, pieces of advice there, especially about you know kind of ignoring the naysayers, but also um, you know not rushing the process um, because I think that, that's something I've certainly been I've certainly been guilty of like in the past of trying to get something out really quickly, and then you know I get to the end of a chapter and then I'll read it back and and you know you know yourself when it's just not good enough, and then you know you have to then do the entire thing again. So I think. Um, yeah, working around your own, you know, your personal work commitments. Um, unless this obviously is a full time venture for you, then it's then I guess it's a different different conversation. But yeah, I, I really like what you said there about yeah, just kind of trusting the process and, and not rushing it. Um, that, that, that's re really important, um, especially especially you know in a time where perhaps there is this kind of I don't know urgency to get things out, um, or you feel that maybe you know. I certainly feel this way sometimes. Or the month needs, you know, this book or these books, or but it's like you know, just having that kind of, I guess, um, contentment and and I guess just knowing that you know things will come out in their own time and you just have to allow them to, you know, you you can't rush something um, because you know mistakes will be made yeah. and things things will be inevitably be missed as well and you you only look back and you know kick yourself, so. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a it's a balance, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you can't have too much contentment, otherwise you won't get anything done. No, no. But you, you know, you still need to have, like that's why actually pregnancy. I find both times, you know, for me, pregnancy has been quite a valuable time because you've got a deadline and right. you know, <laughs> it, 
you 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 know like actually I, I never used to think of myself as somebody who worked to, to to kind of tight deadlines they used to stress me out but now I'm finding that I'm actually doing some of my best work in that right, time right. um and and it does it does it does drive you so I think you need to have something that that is driving you and pushing you forward but you also need to know when when you can and can't do your yeah. best work yeah yes Right. So I uh, just think in um, to conclude the podcast episode, then uh, any any thoughts in closing, any kind of messages for um, those who are perhaps picking up copies of your books um, um, and any closing thoughts? I think, you know, we've, we've obviously covered a lot. I think. Just just enjoy the process of reading. I think, you know, as parents, we're, we're buying Sikh books because we want to teach our, our kids about Sikhi. Like, that's why we're buying Sikh books, isn't it? Um, so, so you can't get around that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think holding yourself back a little bit and letting your child ask the questions or lead the process is will reap dividends um, yeah. from my experience. So... Um, yeah, I, I think kind of resist the temptation to be a teacher um, overtly and just, yeah, and, and, and enjoy the process, in, you know, with them. There is this idea, isn't there, that when you're a parent, you end up reparenting yourself. Um, and and yeah, so yeah. have have fun with the books yourself. Um, you know, why not? And yeah, if, if you are listening to this and thinking about being an author or you've had disappointment you know trying to write books and things in the past then I'd just say I've been there and and you know there's, there's always there's always other avenues um and options you just you just need to to kind of persevere in the exploration of those okay Bajnik it's been um, a pleasure speaking with you today thank you um, once again for taking the time out to join me um, obviously we'll stay in touch um, because there are other works in the pipeline uh, which we'll, we'll share in due course um, but yeah all the best um, with your creative endeavours and, and thanks once again um, for joining me thank you thank you for listening to the Carlis podcast if you haven't done so already be sure to hit subscribe and find us on Instagram to stay updated with all the happenings at Carlis House you can purchase copies of Bajnik Gore's brand new children's bilingual book series from carlishouse.com with worldwide shipping available. I hope you'll tune in next week when I'll be joined by another special guest for a conversation about the world of Sikh literature and in particular graphic novels. Until then, take care and stay safe.